Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And I brought a prop with me to the podcast. I'm going to move the face of the telephone over so you can see I brought a present with me. It's a waffle iron. It's a waffle iron. There are only three things you can do with a waffle iron. One, you can make waffles. Two, you can hit home runs with them. Or three, you can bash people with it. So uh, if someone happens to have an idea that is completely absurd, I might have to use the waffle iron. Just so you know. Just so you know. Since it's over there, I'm, I'm going to hold it. See? Okay. Now you see it. Uh, I, I, the, the waffle iron is ready. It's hot. And I have a um, an oven mitt on. Uh, the first bit of news, I'm recycling some stuff from the most recent podcast because a bunch of it kind of plays all of a sudden. Um, recently, the Cubs had designated Jake Jewell and Ryan Meisinger. And a number of Cubs fans, almost certainly, were commenting, Jewell Meisinger, they're terrible. Why? Why would any major league team have them on their 40-man roster. You have to be an absolutely terrible team to want either one of those because, after all, in the game that I remember that I was watching, they got pounded, so they are terrible. Uh-oh. I'm grabbing for my waffle iron. I'm grabbing for my waffle iron. Today, Jake Jewell and Ryan Meisinger were claimed on waivers by, oh, who was it, like the Pirates or the Orioles or... Rangers or somebody crappy like that. No, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the team with the second best record in all of baseball. Bam, 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 bam. That's four. Um, when you're dealing with pitchers, you don't know. Perhaps a guy doesn't work out in one system, and perhaps he might work in a different system. There's not that much difference between being fairly successful and having a couple of really bad outings. Jewel and Meisinger make sense for the Dodgers. They are heading for the postseason. And with relievers, you just never can tell. So, it makes sense for the Dodgers to take a short-term gamble on Jake Jewel and Ryan Meisinger. Cubs are kind of fortunate because they get $100,000 for them. And I, I, I presume they probably would have sent them to Iowa. But there wasn't really a whole lot going on there. Cubs won three to one today. Cubs won three to one today. And again, there were a bit there there are some silly ideas. There are some really very silly ideas, one of which is the Cubs shouldn't retain Frank Schwindel into next season. Now it's possible, it's possible, it's possible, it's possible. Frank Schwindel goes like one for seventy-four the rest of the way. It's possible, right? You know, he just completely loses everything he's been doing. But somehow there's a mindset. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Because a player is making a limited amount of money and I'm not familiar with him from like two or three years ago, he's bad. That's a mindset. It's a mindset. I don't grasp it. I don't understand it. I don't follow it. It makes no sense to me. But some people, yes, 
Frank Schwindel, because I had no idea who he was before the Cubs claimed him on waivers. He's bad, and he's going to be bad. So because of that, the Cubs should unload him because reasons. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I just grabbed the waffle iron. The reality is every major league team has a spending limit. Every team has a spending limit. If there's a player who represents that he might be reasonably good at the major league level next season. Reasonably good. You know, not not best player at his position in the division necessarily. Just reasonably good. You know, what, what, what's what's reasonably good offensive numbers to you? What, whatever that is. A little bit better than that. Maybe exactly that. Making league minimum and being a productive major league player is completely acceptable. Whether you're familiar with the dude or not, whether you've ever heard of him or not, whether you like him or not, whether he, I, I, I don't even know what, what people are deciding for, I like this guy or not. I, I really don't know. I, it's beyond me. Maybe Frank Schwindel is too tall or uh, I, I don't know what it is. If a player is major league useful and the player is making league minimum, might as well keep him. Especially since Schwindel, if he does start to pancake middle of May next year, it's happened. You know, guy, he's going along, he's zooming along, and all of a sudden people start throwing him curveballs and he starts striking out a lot or whatever. Then what you do, you send him down to the minor leagues. He still has three option seasons left. There's no worry about, oh my God, what are we going to do? You, you send him to the minor leagues. You send him to the minor leagues, it's really not that hard. If he's doing badly, you send him to the minor leagues. So, for those people who are saying the Cubs shouldn't keep Frank Schwindel because they, they ought to be doing all these other grandiose things and guaranteeing this guy four years and $70 billion. No. Frank Schwindel will make league minimum next year. Frank Schwindel, plug him in as a designated hitter. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And if somebody gets totally rollicking drunk and about the trade deadline, somebody says, hey, would you be willing to trade Frank? I, I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage trading Frank Schwindel. I would imagine Frank Schwindel could probably bring something back at the trade deadline if he's hitting well next year and he's making the league minimum still. Just a hunch. So for those people that are saying get rid of Frank Schwindel because I've never heard of his ass, boom, 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 boom. That's four more. Okay, uh, Ian Happ. I don't want to keep Ian Happ because he was hitting 157 three weeks ago. I didn't even put down the waffle iron this time. Ian Happ probably would make about $6 million next year. About six. About six. Maybe a little less than that. Maybe a little bit more than that. And the Cubs are not going to be in any sort of financial straits next year. You know why? You know why the Cubs aren't going to be in financial straits next year? Because they're looking at 
instead of Chris Bryant's contract at third base, Patrick Wisdom's contract at third base. Instead of Anthony Rizzo's contract at first base, they're looking at Frank Schwindel or Alfonso Rivas at first base. See how that works? If you have inexpensive contracts, you can afford a guy who costs maybe a little bit, tiny bit more. Um, instead of Javier Baez at shortstop, they'll probably be looking at either Nico Horner or Nick Madrigal, or they might even bring back Javier Baez if he can, go, if he's willing to come back for a year and, I don't know, 15, 16 million. I, I, I don't know what it would be. But when you have more financial flexibility, you can have a player like an Ian Happ who, he's going to cost you $6 million. $6 million. It's not That's not that much. If he hits anywhere near as well as he's hit the last month for most of the next season, he'll easily be worth $6 million, just like he was worth $6 million plus. He was worth $10 million plus the last three seasons. He had a crappy start to the season. And some of y'all like to make absurd comments, absurd comments, absurd comments, then when they look dumb as hell, run away from them. We are DFA Craig Kimbrell. Bam, 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 bam. That's four more. Um, One other silly idea, and I'm going to loop in Possibly some people who are even listening to this podcast. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. I've talked a bit about the drive, the dive, not the drive, the dive for five. And how the Cubs are or have been or were or will be or whatever, positioning themselves for an early draft selection in 2021 or 2022. In uh, Positioning themselves in 2021 for an early draft pick in 2022. The dive for five was a fun, whimsical way. I wasn't expecting people to bite on it. I really wasn't. But people digged it, digged it, dug it. Um, and I'm, I'm posting. I haven't posted it for the night. But um, because as soon as the Cubs game, the Chicago Cubs game ended... I jumped to this and didn't bother writing down the Twins number and the Cubs number. Right now, the Cubs are sitting at 7th. And the dive for 5 continues. But the dive for 5 is not aggressively the Cubs have to get to the 5th spot. Otherwise, horrible things are happening. No, 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 no. That's not the premise. The premise is the Cubs traded away all their marketable talent. All their marketable talent. Heck, they probably would have traded Pat. Uh, they probably would have traded Matt Duffy if they would have gotten something in exchange for him. They probably would have traded Kyle Davies if they got something uh, marketable for him. But the guys that they got something of moderate value for, they unloaded and they got a whole bunch of quality prospects. And with that, they traded nine of their best players, which led about to a plummet, a plummet, an, uh, what was it, 11? Big long, big long losing streak and a big long losing streak at home, both. Full breath. The concept of the dive for five is not 
the Cubs absolutely, positively have to get to the fifth spot in the draft or they're screwed. It's not even remotely it. It's not even remotely it. The dive for five was about the veterans with expiring contracts were traded. And with that happening, when you looked at that Cubs roster, it looked totally, completely capable of losing a whole bunch of games between the start of August and the end of the season. Very completely obvious that they could lose a whole bunch of games. And if they were going to win any games, the games that they were going to win, some stuff was going to have to happen that would be useful on into the future. I'm going to say that again. For the Cubs to win enough games to not be fifth spot or fourth spot or sixth spot. For the Cubs to not be in that situation, they would have to get some production from players that are going to be on the roster in 2022, probably 2023, and probably 2024. So, for instance, tonight's game. Zach Davies, I really don't care. He lasted into the fifth. Hat tipped. Um... What I was impressed with was Manny Rodriguez coming in in the fifth inning. Manny Rodriguez, I don't care what inning you're going to bring me in. I'm going to pitch. I don't care. Pitches in the fifth, pitches all the sixth, and pitches the start of the seventh. Manny Rodriguez pitched in three different innings. Believers don't do that. Manny Rodriguez, I don't care. Give me the ball. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out until you come get the ball from me. I'm getting sold on him. He's going to leave some fastballs over the center of the plate. He's going to get hit for some titanium home runs. You know it, and I don't, and I know it. It'll happen this year, probably happen next year. He might even get lit for some incredibly obscene home runs in 2023. But guess what? I'm not worried about it. He's willing to take the ball. He's willing to take the ball in the fifth inning. He's not saying... I'm an eighth or ninth inning guy or go to hell, man. Give me the ball. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some guys out and I'm gonna learn some stuff. Cool, fantastic, wonderful to hear. Cody Hoyer comes in, seventh inning, pitches in the eighth inning. Wonderful, nice job. Um Adam Morgan kind kind of fits in the uh Zach Davies category, but he got a rather sensational double play out of Matt Duffy. Um, then Rowan Wick comes on and pitches the ninth. Rowan Wick is the guy on this team who looks like the ninth inning guy. He looks like he's the ninth inning guy. And if he can be the ninth inning guy, that will be useful in 2022, 2023. And at some point, Rowan Wick might be worth trading. Oh, but I don't want to trade Rowan Wick because I like him. Bam, bam, bam. The goal with a dive for five is create a whole scad load of opportunities for a whole bunch of guys who wouldn't have an opportunity with other teams, but you know what? They might actually be decent major league players. They might be. You don't know. 
there have been a number of Cardinals players who recently, last four or five years, I, I'm not going to run down the list, but there have been a number of them. He got a chance kind of with St. Louis, kind of, but not really. And then when it got to a certain point, well, he's not doing it for us. He's not playing enough. He's not doing well when he gets in. So we're going to trade this guy and he's going to go over some other team. He does really well there. Huh. Well, kind of like Patrick Wisdom. Let him play. Let Wisdom play. Let Ortega play. Let Frank Schwindel play. Let Alfonso Rivas play. Let Manny Rodriguez play. Let Michael Rucker play. Let them all play. If they get hammered, then the Cubs get closer to five. Oh, well. People get too upset about losses. If your team is absurdly good, you lose a crushing game. Okay, I kind of get it. But really, th this team is not that team. You send out guys. You hope they do well. Hey, Schwindel hit a homer. Nice. Cool. Hap hit one in the upper tank, hitting right-handed. Awesome. If a player who has potential future value does well, that's kind of cool. And if it means that the Cubs are having to draft 7th instead of 5th. So be it. There's going to be talent in that draft. That's not going to be the problem. The key is assessing the talent. Assess the talent, assess the talent. And to the people who say, I'm not a scout, don't look at me for assessments on Into the Future. I'm not a scout. I can't tell if Frank Schwindel is going to be useful on Into the Future. Okay, fair. You're not a scout. Also, my mom is not a baseball scout. I don't ask her what the Cubs should do in the offseason because she doesn't have a flipping idea and she doesn't care. The only reason your opinion should be valued on what the Cubs ought to do in the offseason is if you have somewhat of a hmm, back history of I'm kind good at guessing on into the future which guys make sense longer term. The entire concept of, well, I've heard of Nick Castellanos, so he should come back to the Cubs. Well, what's, what's the contract he's going to sign for? Why is Jed Hoyer going to offer him that? Well, it's too hard of a question. Bam, 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 bam. Iowa. Iowa Cubs, Joe Biagini starts. Five innings, four innings pitch, five hits, one run, one earned run, four walks, two strikeouts, 550 ERA. Um, I'm doing some ERAs tonight, especially up toward the top, so you can assess um, if guys make sense longer term. Eric Yulman, uh, two innings, two hits, one run, one earned run, two strikeouts. I wasn't listening to the iCubs game. I have no idea how Yulman did. Tommy Nance, one inning pitched, one strikeout, 2.35. Alex Cohen said Tommy Nance looked as good as he had in a really long time. Brendan Little, one inning, one hit, two runs, two earned runs, three walks, 
not his best outing. His ERA kicks up to 3.00. Offensively, Greg Dykeman, two for four, run scored RBI. Wilson Contreras, woohoo, one for three, two runs, one RBI. Home run to straightaway center field. I Cubs lose four to three. I don't think there's anything really to worry about there. Brendan Little, it's going to be interesting to monitor him as far as does he justify a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. I'm thinking he probably gets one. Tennessee still not playing, still have COVID concerns. Um, we move on. South Bend, Chris Clark got the start. The 6-7 left-hander, 6 innings, 5 hits, 2 walks, 8 strikeouts, 2 runs, 2 earned runs. Fairly reasonable start for him. Um, he's one of those guys I should probably be more interested in him than I am. Um, I'll need to see it at double A. R- really with with Chris Clark, with Max Bain, with Ryan Jensen, with all of them. I'm going to need to see it at double A. And by the sounds of it, double A is not going quite yet. So, uh, we get to wait. Um, South Bend, Alexander Canario, two for four runs scored. Bryce Ball, two for four, two RBIs. Actually has his batting average over 200 in case you're interested in things like that. Bryce Windham, very good game, working at bats, working at bats. That's what he does. He works at bats. Two for three, RBI, walk. Tyler Derna, one for two, run scored, two walks. Yo, Hendrick Piango, one for three with a walk. That's a really nice squad. That's a really nice batch of players that um, South Bend all of a sudden has. They lost four to three to the um, Lake County Captains, a Cleveland Indians affiliate. Speaking of Cleveland Indians affiliate, Richard Gallardo, four and two-thirds innings, seven hits, three runs, three earned, two walks, four strikeouts. Jose Almonte, very good out of the bullpen, three innings, pitch, two strikeouts. Uh, Jared Wright, inning and a third, one hit, one strikeout, his second save. Um, Myrtle Beach beats the Lynchburg Hillcats. I was listening to Maura Sheridan because I like to listen to Maura Sheridan. And she does the Lynchburg Hillcats game. So I was listening to her at least most of the way. There were some uh, connectivity issues. So I ended up having to switch back to the uh, Myrtle Beach call with Sam Wiederhaft, which is no problem whatsoever. On the offensive end, Jordan Wogu, two for three, run scored, RBI, walk, and a home run, Owen Casey, one for three, two runs scored, Anna Walk, Jonathan Sierra, two for four, runs scored, RBI, Peter Matt, stick the name in the back of the memory bank, you're not going to remember it now probably, Peter Matt, 10th round draft pick, he can hit, he can run, I don't know if there's anything else in the universe he can do, but if you have a prospect who you drafted for a $5,000 signing bonus and he can hit and he can run, that's a good starting point. Um, Two for three, RBI, walk. I'm not going to tell you about the entire Mesa game because I wanted to do the podcast before uh, I fell asleep and possibly before you fell asleep. 
Luis Rodriguez, a name to mind for next year. Two innings pitch, one hit, one run, one earned run. A walk, five strikeouts. Rony Baez, three innings pitch, nothing, 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 nothing. A walk and six strikeouts. Um, the latter end of the bullpen did not do as well. B.J. Murray, who is from Nassau, the Bahamas, which I didn't know until tonight. Uh, 2021 15th round draft pick out of Florida Atlantic. He hit a home run, as did Reggie Preciado, who came over in the U Darvish trade. In the Myrtle, uh, in the Dominican League, Christian Hernandez hit two home runs today against the Cleveland affiliate. And that, that was in the blue game, in the red game. Um, Christi, um, Pedro Ramirez was two for four, run scored RBI. Those two guys, I'm working on an article that I'm trying to put together. I, I like the premise. I haven't figured out enough fire to go with it. Pedro Ramirez and Cristian Hernandez have done very well in the Dominican Summer League this year. With Ramirez, it's been the whole way through. With Cristian Hernandez, it's been the last three weeks or so. Three weeks, maybe a month. The last, you know, short period of time. But he's get he's it's starting to use the term the game's slowing down for him. Both of those two should be starting shortstops in Mesa next year. I'll say it again. Pedro Ramirez and Cristian Hernandez should both be starters in the Arizona Compound League in 2022. I'm not taking arguments on that. They should both be starters at shortstop. But Tim, some of you are saying, how can you do that when you only have one team? Bam, 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 with the waffle iron. You make sure that you have two teams. The Cubs ought to do the things necessary to make sure they have two teams next year. Now, why could they only have two teams this year and they had had more teams before? Well, before there wasn't a 180-player limit. Now there is a 180-player limit. Before, you could have 200, 230, 240. You have however many guys you wanted. And when you got to the Arizona Summer League, you had 35 guys on this team, 35 guys on this team. You dress 25 a night, you're good to go. And And teams would end up having... A, whole, a handful of high school kids on the teams, maybe a high school catcher, high school outfielder, three or four high school pitchers, and they'd make sure they all got the proper amount of work in, in games. They got the proper amount of work in on the side. But the important thing, at least for me, was there were two entire games going on, so all the players that had earned it would get to play. The guys like Pedro Ramirez and um, Cristian Hernandez in 2022, they get their five starts a week. 
maybe five starts at shortstop, maybe four stops starts at shortstop, maybe play third base or second base once, maybe a DH, or maybe have them start at shortstop five games. No, there's only five games a week now, so you can only have five starts. So maybe it's uh, four starts at shortstop, one at third, four stops, four starts at shortstop, one at DH or whatever. But you make sure that all the players who have done well in the Dominican League and get to the States, you give them all a look. They all get an opportunity. Well, why would you want to have that happen? What would be the benefit in having a player who isn't necessarily good enough to play at a level, play at a level? Why'd Frank Schwindel start to get to play? Why'd Frank Schwindel start to get to play? No, seriously. Why did Frank Schwindel start to get to play? Specifically, there's a specific answer. Anthony Rizzo was traded. Anthony Rizzo was traded and the Cubs realized we don't have a first baseman on the team. We don't actually have a first baseman on the team, but, 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 we have this guy in Iowa that nobody's ever heard of, and he's probably crappy, but we have him there. So what we might as well do is call his butt up, put him in at first base, allow him play, let's just see how he does. He probably won't do anything. He'll probably hit like 163. Maybe he'll hit a couple homers, but he'll probably strike out two-thirds of the time because, after all, we've never heard of him, so he's obviously bad. Oh, he's not bad. Well, it'll all get made up for by Rafael Ortega because we haven't heard of him either. He's been on the team for, since May, but he's obviously terrible. So we're going to stick him out in center field because we traded Jack Peterson. So so he's only going to hit 145. Well, wait, oh, oh, he he's actually good too. Okay, well, um, we will leave Patrick Wisdom at third because Patrick Wisdom has been exposed by the league and now all he's going to do is strike out a whole bunch and not... Oh, Oh, crap. He's going to be the all-time Cubs rookie home run leader. Crap. I thought I knew in advance who the good players were. I thought it was completely unnecessary to play guys to find out if they were any good. I thought we could just, like, look at their nine at-bats that they had in the minor leagues, or in the major leagues before, and look at their age and say, oh, no, this guy's not any good. He, he's 29 years old, and he's only had like seven major league hits before. I thought that's exactly the only way that you, that the only thought process he had to go through to find out if a guy was any good or not. Turns out, it turns out, and this is stunning to some people, baseball players who are getting paid as professionals sometimes are actually a whole lot better than people give them credit for. You let the player play. Whichever level, whatever level, you let the player play. You let the pitcher pitch. And if it turns out, rookie league ball, Arizona compound league, he's throwing like 88 miles an hour. He's walking three guys an inning. And he looks absolutely terrible. And he's not getting... Then you release him. You bring in somebody else. It's real easy. If a guy is terrible, there's a solution for that. There's a solution for that. But you bring in the guy and let him play. 
You bring in the guy and let him play because maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, despite our infinite knowledge of shit we know nothing about, the player might be better than we think. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe. You never know. That's why you let him play. If the Cubs find a way to have two Arizona League teams next cycle, Cristian Hernandez starts at shortstop for one. Pedro Ramirez starts at shortstop for the other. Whoever they're playing, it's all good. Bunch of games against the A's, a bunch of games against the Rockies, a bunch of games against the Giants. Nobody really cares. Oh, man, but we're playing the hard teams and the other teams. It doesn't matter. The goal is to get opportunities for players to get better. Send them out. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not very good. You look. Is this guy getting better? If he's getting better, if he's doing fairly well, you keep him. If not, well, there's a solution for that as well. I'm going to be spending a bit of time thinking the next, I don't know, two weeks, two months, eight months, who knows how long. What are the steps the Cubs ought to go through to pretty much clinch having a second Arizona League team next year? What are the steps that the Cubs have to do to cinch another Arizona League team next year. I'll I'll tell you, probably the problem will not be not having enough first basemen. Probably the problem will not be having enough infielders. I'm guessing the, the problem won't be having a proper DH. I'm guessing they'll probably be able to have six or seven or eight or ten outfielders to send out for the two teams so that they can, you know, get at bats. And oh, this guy's only hitting 117. Okay, if he can't hit at the end of the year, we'll release him. Bring in somebody else. It's not a problem. The problem with having a second team, and usually there's only two. There's only two reasons that I can see that a team wouldn't be able to have a second Arizona League team if they want one. There's only two reasons that I can see it. One is not having enough catchers, and one of them is not having enough pitchers. Because if you don't have enough pitchers, there's no point in playing baseball. If you don't have enough pitchers, there's no point in playing baseball. The Cubs this year had, I'm going to say, an inordinate amount of pitching injuries. The Cubs were not the only team for whom that malady struck. There were quite a few teams that had quite a few pitching injuries. It happens and it's unfortunate. Will they be able to bounce back? Will they be able, they be able to do better? Because some of the names, some of the names, Braylon Marquez, Cole Franklin, Michael McAveen, there's a handful of others. You're probably, some of you are probably shouting names at your phone and I appreciate it. But I'm not listening. I'm, I, I'm on a bit of a roll here. If those players were where they should be, if they were where they should be, whether that's Myrtle Beach, 
whether that's Tennessee, whether that's Iowa, wherever it is, wherever it is, if they were somewhere pitching something. And they were where they were supposed to be. Other players, other pitchers would be a level lower. Then other, other pitchers would be a level lower. And then other pitchers would be a level lower. And there would be more pitchers in Mesa. Good to go. There would be more pitchers good to go. Yes, I know. Players that are on the 60-day list don't count against the 180-player limit. But the reality is not all of the players are on 60-day lists. The player, the pitchers that haven't been able to go, whether it's for a short period of time or a lengthier period of time, injuries have racked the Cubs. What are things the Cubs can do to see to it that it is more likely, you can't 100% it, but you can make it more likely. Make it 90% that the Cubs can have a second DS uh, Arizona League team. Maybe kick it to 92. Is there a way? One thing that would help quite a bit, and I think this will happen without a whole lot of effort by the Cubs. One of the things that will probably happen without a whole lot of effort with the Cubs is the draft getting moved back to June. Um, I've heard a number of people, well, I've, I've seen a number of comments from people who have said, numerous people in numerous major league organizations said this was an absolute blow up of a mistake. Because, well, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, and a bunch of it had to do with scouting. Because when scouting was allowed to be, um, back before college scouting, high school scouting for the draft had to be done, almost entirely finished by the 1st of June. This year, that pushed back to 1st of July. Pushed back to 1st of July. Now, all of a sudden, teams had to turn right around. Okay, now I'm going to start scouting other teams because we're going to trade for... There wasn't enough time to scout for the trades. There just wasn't. Teams were complaining about that. The draft getting pushed back to June would help because instead of having all of June into July, half of July, most of July, that you're leftover pitchers from before the draft have to cover all those innings. That was difficult with all the injuries. That was very difficult with all the injuries. If the draft was pushed back to June, then it would be, it would be a whole lot easier since uh, short season ball doesn't start until late June to have enough talent to have a second team, at least at the very start of the season. And that's basically what you're looking for. If you have enough talent to get through until the draft picks start to sign, then you should be okay. And you go out and sign a couple of guys after the draft. Hey, actually, we kind of need you real quick to show up in Arizona 
and maybe pitch 30 innings for us. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds good to me. Seems reasonable. If you're holding an idea about baseball, does it make logical sense? I have the waffle iron one more time. I saw one online today, tonight. Who's going to be a part of the next Cubs core? Will Ian Happ be a part of the Cubs next core? Why do you want a core? Why, uh, seriously, why do you want a core? If you're saying your entire team is tied up in four or five dudes, everybody in the entire league looks at you. Oh, okay, you got four or five dudes, and then, yeah, yeah, you're getting kind of close to, getting cl- kind of close to free agency. Da, ba, da. A core is really a stupid idea. For a team to be good in the current environment of baseball, it's probably a really good idea to have three or four very young players who are making about league minimum. That I will buy into. Without a question. If a team has three or four all-star type players, all of whom are making about league minimum, that's a good thing. For instance, 2022, let's say Brennan Davis shows up. Hey, this dude's hitting really well. He's going to be, he might be really good for a really long time. That'd be a good thing, right? Why? Because he's a really good player. Or it looks like he'll be a really good player and he's not making a whole lot of money. Now let's just imagine, let's just imagine, let's just imagine, let's just imagine. Patrick Wisdom hits 35 bombs next year. He's making league minimum. Would that be a good thing? Seems like it. How about uh, Frank Schwindel? He's allowed to be the DH. It's 260, 270. Draws a bunch of walks, hits a bunch of bombs, plays a little tiny bit of first base, a lot of DH. Maybe he comes out late in the game for pinch runner. Okay, all of a sudden you have a not horrible team with some guys who are relatively young. Okay? Now, does that mean they have to be the core? Of course not. What it means is... They're good players who aren't making a whole lot of money. Now you look at your bullpen. Manny Rodriguez, maybe he has a good year. Hey, he's doing really well. Does he become part of the... You don't have a core. The goal is... The goal is, or at least the goal ought to be, have players at your major league level who are doing well. Some guys that are really young. Maybe some guys that are a little bit older. 
making various amounts of money. And as you look to the future, you have other guys coming up in the minor leagues. And you say, hmm, okay, this guy's coming up, and he's going to be better at this position than that other guy is. And that other guy, who people have started to get to know fairly well, and maybe people have gone out to the Cubs.com and bought jerseys of him, all of a sudden we realize, you know what? This guy is doing really well, but before long, he's going to start making a little bit more money. And we got this other guy who's going to come up, and he's going to be better than that, that guy is. So that's when a smart team says, you know what? This guy's doing perfectly well, but we're going to trade him to another team for something that will make us better. And then we'll replace him with a guy who's better than he was and keep rolling. A core is a stupid idea. It was a stupid idea when it was brought up. I get the premise of the Cubs to have a good team had to have two or three or four guys who looked like they were going to be all-stars for a while. I get that. I understand that that makes sense. But to say that because the Cubs have two or three or four good, useful players that are relatively inexpensive and will be around for a relatively long time, somewhat in the relatively near future, doesn't mean they have to be referred to as a core. Why? Why? The goal ought to be have a pipeline that regularly brings up players who are perfectly capable pitching, of playing the outfield, being middle infielders, corner guys, maybe that can hit for some power. Just have guys coming up to the system. These guys are all kind of good. And next year, it won't be this, you know, it won't be this offseason. At some point on into the future, relatively, hey, we're going to have some hard decisions to make in November because we're going to have 45, 46 guys belong on the 40-man roster. Then what you do is you make some trades and reload. And you keep developing. And you keep developing and you keep developing and you keep drafting well and you keep developing. You keep doing well internationally and you keep developing and you keep making smart trades and anytime you can find a guy who's really inexpensive and might be really good, you take full flipping advantage of it. Success comes from having players who outperform their contracts. Success in baseball comes when you have players who outperform their contracts. Success in baseball comes when you have players who outperform perform their contracts. Maybe they're not making league minimum. Maybe they're making like, what's Ian Happ going to make next year? Six million, seven million? What well, if Ian Happ makes seven million next year and is worth 18 million per fan graphs? You think all those people who right now, right now, right now, right now are saying the Cubs ought to get rid of Ian Happ this offseason would say, <laughs> criminy sakes alive, I was wrong. When I said the Cubs ought to get rid of Ian Happ, I was completely wrong. Do you think they're going to say that? No. Boom. Boom.
I'm unplugging the waffle iron. Assess talent. Learn stuff. Understand how things go. People who have gone through the Cubs from the last few years. People who have gone through the entire Chris Bryant thing of seven is more than six. Chris Bryant did not run away from the Cubs because the Cubs manipulated his contract. The Cubs did not lose Chris Bryant because they manipulated his contract. Chris Bryant was going to be a free agent because the Cubs were not going to give him a league competitive long-term deal. They weren't going to do that. They weren't going to do that, and they shouldn't do that. Chris Bryant has been a fantastic player. Funniest damn thing. Chris Bryant, oh my God, who's going to play third base next year? We're not going to have Chris Bryant. We're not going to have Greg. Who's going to play? Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom's going to play third base. Is Patrick Wisdom better than Chris Bryant? Probably not. You know, I, I can't see into the future very well. I can't see into the future well enough to predict the future accurately. Uh, I, I think probably next year Chris Bryant will be a better player than Patrick Wisdom. Probably the next year as well. Probably the year after that. But the reality is, if Chris Bryant is going to be getting paid what Chris Bryant is going to be getting paid, I would guess Chris Bryant will probably be getting a, I don't know, six, seven-year deal, 20 million per. Sound about right? Six years, 12, uh, six years, 70, uh, six years, 70, no, six years, 120, seven years, 140, something like that. Something like that, you know, kind of close. Chris Bryant will be a better player next year, probably, than Patrick Wisdom. But Patrick Wisdom is going to be making $700,000 a year. When you are dealing with an organization that has spending limits, a player that's going to be, I don't know, why do I say Patrick, Patrick Wisdom being next year? Three wins above? Are you going to break my phone if I'm wrong on that? If he keeps playing like this, good defensively, he'll draw some walks, he'll hit for power, he's not totally slow, he's not a five-tool guy, but he's closer than a lot of people would think to it. Yeah, he's old. Heck yeah, he's old. But he's also going to be making league minimum. So you plug in Patrick Wisdom. 2022, league minimum. 2023, league minimum. Just about league minimum. Then at some point, some point, some point, somebody else shows up. Somebody else shows up. Maybe Reggie Preciado. Maybe Kevin Maday. Yeah, it, 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 could be, it could be a number of different people. Could be Rafael Morel. I, 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 it could be... Uh, James Triantos. I don't know who it will be. 
Don't know who it'll be, don't know when it'll be. But all of a sudden you get this guy who, he comes up and he's going to be making league minimum. And he's going to be putting up numbers kind of like Patrick Wisdom's doing when Patrick Wisdom's making league minimum. Now what you do is, you, hey, um, anybody want to trade for Patrick Wisdom? Don't, don't trade for Patrick I, I, I went to MLB.com and I got his jersey. Don't trade him. He had a beard the one time. The goal with Major League Baseball is to constantly develop players who are good enough to play at the Major League level. If you get to a point where you are bringing up players from your minor leagues who are ready to kick ass, you go with them. Or you try them out, see if they're good, see if they're ready to go. Then when they are good and they are ready to go, then you go with them and you trade the other guys. But, 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 but I really like that guy. Doesn't matter. The goal is to find good young talent, develop it, find it from wherever you can find it, locate it, and if you have a year like 2021 where your team sucks and you have to develop players to see if they're any good or not, if they end up being good, you keep them. You keep them, you keep them, you keep them, you ride them. Until they're not doing any good anymore. They send them out back down to the miners. They bring them back up a little bit later. And you keep developing, you keep developing, you keep developing, and hopefully at some point you have enough players to be a good, solid, balanced, deep team. And then you keep developing, and then you keep developing, and you keep developing, and you keep developing, and you never stop developing. And anytime there's the opportunity to make a trade where someone else gets a little bit greedy and they decide, you know what? I want this guy short term to put us over the top and you trade a guy or two and get a long-term prospect back in return. That's how you keep it going. That's how you keep it going. There are a lot of dumb ideas in baseball, and what people ought to do is watch to see how things develop. Watch to see how things develop. Manny Rodriguez pitched in three different innings today. He struggled in his third, but he pitched in his third inning. Watch, see how things develop, and learn. Watch, see how precedent is being laid out and learn. Assuming that because you have never heard of a player before, that means he's bad. That is an idea to run away from at warp speed. Players develop at their pace. Players who get to double A ball are generally really good at baseball. Whether you know who they are or not. The Cubs are being an afforded the Cubs are being afforded an opportunity this season. So far, 
they've done a whole lot better at getting silk purse from a sow's ear than I thought they would have. I thought they would be a horrible team this year. I thought they would be backing up 11-game losing streaks. They won Minnesota. They won one of three from the White Sox. They won when Kyle Hendricks pitched. Watch, listen, learn, understand, know what you don't know. Know what you don't know. Try to learn and realize the goal is to have loads and loads of talent that most people don't have any idea who the hell they are. When you have the opportunity to let a Patrick Wisdom play, when you have the opportunity to let Michael Rucker pitch, let it happen. See how he does. If he's like Ryan Meisinger, or if he's like Jake Jewell, and he gets designated for assignment, they get designated for assignment. But you know what? Sometimes when they get designated for assignment, the second best team in all of baseball signs them. Because you know what? It's hard to find really good pitching. It's incredibly hard. The Cubs have an opportunity to try a whole bunch of people out this year. Hitters, pitchers, outfielders, infielders. It's not ideal baseball. But they're playing a whole hell of a lot better than I expected they would. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. I apologize for going on a bit long. And I hope it didn't hurt too much if I hit you with the waffle.